How many of you here tonight came to Buddha Day on Saturday? Okay, about a third or a fourth. Um, did any of you have any anything you wanted to share with other people about it, or any experiences, or um, you know, enlightening moments you had at Buddha Day? <laughs> did you enjoy it? I, I thought it, it went really well. I love the um, the martial arts, the guys doing the martial arts. I love that. I love their fans. They're big fans. Whenever they pop those, that's my fa- one of my favorite moments. We didn't have the dragons. Miss the dragons. Next year we'll have dragons. And uh, I like the uh, Indian dancers. But... Uh, I realize that as much as, as nice as Buddha Day is, and it's a really nice experience, I prefer a group like this. I prefer just the, you know, having this during the middle of the week. To me, this is very, is such a, uh, a real part of the practice. I mean, Buddha Day is wonderful. I don't want to diss it at all. But this being able to uh, come together and meditate and have a discussion or a talk if we want to and chant a little bit to me that's the that's the core for me of what this is all about i mean our individual practices but just uh it doesn't have to be a full house or uh refreshments downstairs although those are nice <laughs> but it's just really nice to be with other people and uh, share an hour together during the week uh, the parade but it but it was good you this was your first one no Judy you've been to the Buddha day before haven't you or is this the first yeah, one I went to Sri Lanka, taste, taste did they're so beautiful yes. right Yeah. Just beautiful, uh, graceful movements, too. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's always the Indian dancing. We didn't have any Sri Lankan dancers this year. Maybe next year. <laughs> so you just have to come next year to see these, the things we didn't have this year. And probably the same, the same things we had. And Dylan's talk was really good. So the uh, he, Dylan usually comes on Wednesday night and sometimes on Saturdays, but he was the new person who gave a talk, and it was a great talk. It was really, really well done. He talked about his first experience coming to Blue Lotus. I never heard that story before. Did you know that? That he stopped and he was coming and he was late, and he lives way away in Aurora, so it's a long drive. And it was snowing, so he was afraid that was going to make him later. So, But then he saw a couple of cars stalled on the side of the road because of the snow. And he thought, well, I've got to hurry. I can't help because I've got to hurry to the temple to go to meditation. And then it occurred to him what he was saying. Uh, and so he he stopped and helped. And, it, and his car got stuck, of course. So he, the, the three cars all, all together, they got each other unstuck. So... Uh, he got to the meditation. He was late and embarrassed about coming in late, and it was the first time, and he thought he'd, 
you know, do something real incorrect and embarrass himself. And being late, he thought he'd trip over somebody or, you know, all the things that we all think the first time we go somewhere. And uh, he's, then he talked about Bhante Sumana giving, he, he asked Bhante Sumana the question, I guess that night, like what is, um, or shared his story with him. I'm forgetting how he presented it, but um, he he was talking about he you know he missed part of the meditation and uh, Bhante Sumana was very emphatic, telling him when he asked him what meditation was. Bhante Sumana was very emphatic, telling him meditation is how we live our lives. You know that's it's the fruit of this practice sitting on the cushion. That sitting on the cushion is just exercising, but the but the meditation was stopping and helping those people, and you know all the other things that we do in our lives when we can mind, make a decision that's the the best decision maybe at that moment. And uh, he said that's always that's always been his a real strong memory, important memory for him. So and also every. Every week, sometimes he comes to temple Monday or Wednesday after meditation. He taught us something meaningful English word every day. Oh, he's yeah. that's right. He brings you a vocabulary yeah. word, doesn't he? He helps us to build up English vocabulary. <laughs> yeah. So that's like his dana to the monks, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I forgot about that. So it it was a really good talk. It was a really good thing to think about. Sometimes we're hurrying to get somewhere and where we need to be is on the side of the road. You know, be a little bit late to the big event and take care of what's right in front of us. So that was all good. So it was a good day and it didn't rain on us or the parade. It didn't rain on the parade. I don't think it did, did it? It's getting hard to distinguish rainy days from non-rainy days with our weather lately. (laughs) So most of the visitors have gone home. So today I took some people to the airport, and you've got people tomorrow that you're still uh, taking taking around. So it's it's uh, there are a lot of tired people here at the temple. I'm I'm not as tired as the monks should be. So. it's a good, inspiring day, and it's just, it's, uh, it's lovely to see the, the chanters, of course. Our chanting group is wonderful. And Bhante Asaji is the teacher this year, and I get to practice at the la- very end because I have to stand up and chant with the group um, on Buddha Day. But I don't teach the group. He does, I, he does all the hard work, and I just get up and, for better or for worse, get to chant with the group that day. But it was, I think it was our best ever. And we had, we were so down on people. We just had about five people in the group. And uh, that the group had gotten smaller and then some of the people we knew were going to be gone. So we put out a call for people who wanted to, at the last minute, come and be in the chanting group. And we ended up with about 16 or 17 in the group. And they and they all were singing. I mean, they were all chanting. I could hear everybody's voice, and uh, that was really wonderful to see people 
coming, coming out and saying, oh, I'll do it. And the rest of us had been practicing for a year, the five of us. And the new people had come just in the last, oh, month maybe. But they did it. And it was, we told them if you forget, if you, if you can't do the chanting words, just move your mouths like you're saying watermelon, cucumber. Because someone told us that one of her teachers had told her that if you're in a choir and you forget the words, you just go, and it looks like you're singing, whatever. So that's been our, our joke for the last couple of months with the chanting group. But I didn't hear any, I didn't hear, thank goodness, any watermelon, cucumber. And I could hear individual voices. So uh, those were good things. And, and then when Buddha Day's over, I have to get back on the precepts bandwagon. So I have to start talking about the precepts more. And I was thinking, okay, we're probably all kind of filled up to the top with the five precepts. But I thought I'd ask, does everybody remember the five precepts? The first five. What's the first one? That's one of them, but that's not the first one. It's no killing, not to kill, and, and to do no harm, not to harm ourselves or others. Good. And the second one, no, that's see, I'm I always say, I always want to say. I think order, no intoxicants, no sexual misconduct, right speech, no killing, no killing Well, see, when I teach them, I t- I don't tell them in order, but I've learned it's important to know them in order. I don't. Why is it, Bonte? Why is the order important? Just that, just that we do things in order, right? <laughs> the second, the second one you said is not to take things that don't belong to us, right? No stealing, and uh, we always expand that to talk about not, not uh, you know, not violating like the property of others or. Uh, uh, the third one is sexual misconduct. And the fourth one is, yeah, do not, not to tell a lie. And that's right speech. And, and then the fifth one is, no one, yes. And it's especially because our mindfulness is our entire practice. So alcohol and intoxicants, uh, intoxicants and recreational drugs always cause us to lose our mindfulness. And so uh, that seems to be the hardest one for people to be ready to take. Because uh, a lot, most people will say, well, I don't want to give up a glass of wine with a nice dinner. I mean, it can be very, like a minor reason. But um, with the precepts, we always want to remind people that these are our intentions. We're not saying that we're always going to be successful with every one of them. And because if we were, we wouldn't need to take precepts or we wouldn't need to have any kind of, uh, you know, uh, personal precepts in our life. So these are things that I like to think of them now as all the five precepts can be said as our intentions for the day. And if we set our intentions, my intention is to do no harm to myself or anyone else. 
My intention is to be kind and truthful to everyone I meet. My intention, and that can, that being kind and truthful can, that, uh, with these set up as intentions, sexual misconduct is not even included in that because that's taken care of with being kind, doing no harm, and, uh, being honest is, uh, covers right speech and, uh, not to become intoxicated and heedless. So the opposite of mindfulness is heedlessness. So that's when we, when we make a, an intention for the day not to lose our mindfulness or not to become heedless, that, that's taking care of, uh, any of the intoxicants that we consume, like too much shopping, too much eating, too much, you know, binge watching on TV and, uh, th- th- all of that can be covered because all of that becomes an intoxicant for us to lose our mindfulness. You know, that's, that's what we turn to when we, when we don't want to be clear, when we want to dive into our comfort things, our uh, comfortable habit patterns. So if we just start our day making our own uh, way of saying the, the precepts as our daily intentions, it starts us off in a good place. And then at the end of the day, we can just look back at that and see, how was my day? Did it help kind of having those intentions, remembering them in the morning? And I think that the, that practice does, uh, it really makes a difference. And if we practice, if we do that regularly, it's good to see how, just try it and see how it changes your day. So uh, we don't have to, I was talking to some of the people from Las Vegas who came, there were three three people who came from Las Vegas, and they're part of the core group there with Blue Lotus Las Vegas. And they they wanted to change the precepts. They were telling Bhante Sujata they didn't like the I will, I will not, or I will, uh, and, and we don't word the precepts that way anyway. You know, if you've read the precepts or taken them, it's, uh, my, I, I, I undertake the training in doing no harm to any living being. I undertake the training not to take things that don't belong to me. And I undertake the training. So I love that I undertake the training too, because we're, we're just, we can think of the precepts as just a new way to look at the importance of uh, morality in our lives as, practi- as meditation practitioners, because living a, a, a wholesome life gives us less to regret and less of that stuff that goes around in our mind all the time. A lot of times that's, I wish I hadn't done that, or... Uh, oh man, I'm sorry. I, you know, kicked the dog this morning before I left the house. I mean, we, those are the kind of things that are going around in our head that, that keep us a lot of times when we say, I just couldn't meditate. I had too much on my mind. If you think about it, sometimes a lot of that stuff on our mind might be an argument we got into with someone and we regret the words we said, um, or the, or we wish we hadn't shouted it at them and ended the conversation abruptly. So I think if we 
use the if we use the precepts as our training like our training wheels it it makes our life lighter just like it like in the uh we believe you know that generosity makes our hearts feel lighter stronger and lighter i think uh, uh looking at those precepts as things to train in make our lives lighter because we have less sort of weighing down on our shoulders like am i doing this right or uh could maybe i could have been kinder maybe i could have stopped for that car you know those kind of things become we don't have to worry about that we can be pretty clear when we've gone over the you know on to, on we, when we've gone over the edge with our behavior but we can also be pretty clear when you know I've, this has been a good day i've i've noticed people that maybe i don't notice all the time uh i've reached out to people i've i've been kind to myself didn't beat on myself as much today as i usually do you know we can really look at our day and see it that way and and feel good about it and that that'll make our meditation much easier to do and easier to concentrate i think and get get into that good place so i was i was wondering i kept telling them the people from las vegas like send me a copy of the precepts you guys take cuz it doesn't say thou shalt not thou shalt not and i and i think it sometimes some we hear it a different way because we may have had a a a negative experience in sunday school or something sometime in our in another life and uh they're not none of it's rigid it's all i'd like to undertake this training and that's true for the intoxicants too i think it's good for us to know what our personal intoxicants are and then undertake the training to understand that uh whatever it is that we would that we move to to become uh cl- to cloud our minds that's probably something that's a personal favorite as an intoxicant and then we can look at that we can undertake the training to like watch that in our lives and then we can see okay maybe i don't have a problem with any kind of uh like alcohol or uh drugs but i do have a problem with uh you know to, when i get maybe i maybe i go out and spend too much money when i'm feeling overloaded or you know i back away from being with my friends and i just become a couch potato for several days so we can look and see what we do in our own lives to become intoxicated to become heedless and and then we can start just looking at it becoming aware of it is the biggest way to solve the problem we can see if it's a problem first of all or see if there's something that's kind of pulling us down and then by just keeping our awareness on that we will see it we'll see it dissolve for us it doesn't have to be something we don't have to suddenly become you know a perfect person there's no there's no way that's going to happen and if you think we you become perfect then you'll up your standards right so you have to become super double perfect 
And that's not the point. That's not what, that's not what the Buddha wanted, and that's not what we want. What we want to do is see the things that make our lives better and more, uh, more like the life of a bodhisattva and see the things that make, that don't make us happy and don't make us, uh, have, don't, don't help us move, move out in our lives. So it's really to take care of ourselves. Um, so when we finish with the five, taking the five, it, in a year, some people will take the eight precepts that we call the lifetime precepts. And uh, some people stick with the five and they're happy with that and they ought to be happy with it. You know, we can, I, I feel like I'm always working on the five. I've taken 211 to become a nun. Isn't it 211 and fewer for the men, right? <laughs> I always like to... And I always say it's because the women can take that many. Um, but, you know, out of that 211, the five precepts are the ones that those, the five are the, are the essential ones. That's the core of them. Everything else uh, just stems from that as a little offshoot of that. So, but people who are inclined to take the eight, uh, will take the eight after they've at least had a year with the five. And the only difference with the eight is we add more about speech. And that is just, that's the proof that you need to know how important our, our speech is. Because we keep all of the, we keep all of the initial five, but then we add to that, um, we don't engage in harsh speech or uh, malicious speech or uh, chatter is kind of the translation that the Buddha in the in the Pali word, and chatter is 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 everything else we do. You know all the all the talk that we like so much. So chatter is mind mindless speech, and that's gossip and talking about uh, talk, talking about things that. Are really unimportant. It's and that's the hardest. So when we undertake all and speech is just a huge part of what we do and what we think about, and we we focus on it in the Buddha's teachings. But you know, if you think about everybody thinks about their own life, our speech is. It's the thing that once it's out there, we can never take it back. I mean, think of, think of times that you've said something in anger that you try to apologize for later. And once, it's, once you say it to a person, it's almost impossible to... You can't erase it. You can apologize for it, but it's always there. That, and usually that person remembers what you said. And sometimes that's very harmful because as human beings, we tend to take things personally, which is another, which ought to be one of the eight precepts. Don't take anything personally. Because it's, you know, if we were, if we could, if we could not take it personally, we would understand that person's angry. They said something without being mindful about it. 
Um, they'll probably apologize later, and it doesn't hurt me. But things, I mean, I think it's very human. I don't know anybody who doesn't sometimes get hurt by the things. I haven't met that person yet who's really not ever affected by another person's speech. So when we move to that, those eight precepts, that's what we really need to focus on is uh, continuing with the five and adding more about speech. And you certainly don't t- wait to take those precepts until you've perfected it. You take the precepts when you decide, maybe, this, maybe for this year I'm going to really work on my speech. You know, when you really are ready to tackle really getting into things like uh, balance and equanimity, I think, because that is, it's that, you know, when our speech goes wrong, good speech gone bad, it's when we get real emotional about stuff, real passionate about stuff, or we have, uh, we're really up and down emotionally. So then we'll say things that pretty quickly we'll wish we hadn't said especially if it's to people we love. Um, And so when we work with the qualities like equanimity and uh, patience, that's when we really begin to be able to look at our speech differently and look at emotions, difficult emotions like anger. Because if we're angry, pretty much anything that that comes up is probably going to come out. And so... It's, it's, uh, we've got to be ready to work with all those things if we want to really watch our speech. And there, we also know with speech, when the Buddha talks about it, it needs to be at the right time and at the right place. And it's got to be true. And it's got to be necessary. And then it's got to be kind. So there are all kinds of conditions, even if we're going to, any, anything that we're going to say, it, it, we have to be aware of all those right conditions. So that takes patience on our part, and it takes careful attention, mindfulness, and it takes uh, listening probably more than we talk. So that's, those, that's the exciting part about the eight precepts. And then, the, then after that, there are some people who want to go ahead and take the well, we call the, the ten precepts, which are the bodhisattva, we call the bodhisattva vows. And in, in the Mahayana tradition, there are six, right? This, do you take the... So, Bhikshuni uh, Dhammika should teach... You should teach about the bodhisattva vows because that's you know more about those. So I'm not going to put her on the spot right now. <laughs> but we think the bodhisattva... Uh, the concept of a bodhisattva is more uh, prominent in the Mahayana tradition. And those are the, you know, we see Kuan Yin, our statue outside, the big white one, is a, is a bodhisattva. And so she's the bodhisattva of compassion. And so the, those qualities are embodied in her, you know, she's a symbol for compassion. And so everything about her hands and what she's doing and how the bodhisattvas are sitting uh, and the way they're painted are symbols of that quality. So we have ten qualities in 
that we have it in our tradition here in Theravadan. We have ten paramitas, and those are just ten qualities. And the people who take the bodhisattva vows are undertaking, um, they're, they're committing to understanding those ten qualities. And it's generosity, virtue, uh, renunciation, energy, and wisdom. I, I'm, I actually know them in the Pali, and I have to translate it to English. <laughs> Patience and determination and uh, determination, metta, uh, loving-kindness, and the fifth one is equanimity. <laughs> we think the tenth. We think the tenth one is equanimity. Um, but those are those are the qualities that uh, that are basically our dedicating everything and all in our training and our training in this life and our actions and our whole. Uh, kind of is the is the stuff we can keep studying for the rest of this life and many 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 more. You know the Buddha was a uh, was a bodhisattva and he he supposedly he ex- he lived l- literally I'm sure millions of other lives because so eons eons and eons of lives over and over. So that's kind of like an eon is like a whole world system. Uh, turning, turning over, and so all it took it took all of those different lifetimes of being a bodhisattva from early on to get to the perfection of being a Buddha. So it it's a it's a long, long journey. Uh, we can all make it. I mean, we it's anybody can do it. But you got to be sure you're patient. You have to have that quality of patience because it takes a long time. So those qualities, we don't have any. We don't have any lay uh, precepts after that, because those ten give you enough to work with all the time. But we're all working on those those ten right now, because that includes the five precepts and it includes everything that we talk about all the time. Those are all qualities that you can you can take one of those qualities and use it as something to study. You know, just write all the ten qualities on a uh, on little note cards, and then see if you can. You'll start seeing those qualities and everything you pick up to read. So there are different ways that people, when they take those precepts, different people study. Uh, some people use it in their meditation, and they kind of go through the qualities and go through them again and look at them on more subtle levels. But that's uh, that's what we're doing already. So we're you're, we're sort of already doing all these things. So the ceremonies are ceremonies that they don't mean very much, but it's sometimes a ni- it's sometimes a nice thing to do as a group just because you feel a connection with that group. And it's, uh, that's part of being a, a sangha, part of being part of the community. So you can have a, you're a little closer maybe to people in that group, or you have a nice memory of that day, and 
Uh, but you can take the precepts without going through a ceremony. But you do get a Buddhist name. That's what, if you do the ceremony, you get your own Buddhist name. So, and a certificate. So there are some good things about it. Anakata. So, we'll be talking more about that, but we'll, we'll start putting a sign-up sheet for people who are interested. October the 12th is the day that we have precepts. So, people need to have six months of meditation practice under their belt before they take the five precepts. So think, be thinking about it. You might want to uh, even just attend the precept classes that we have. If, even if you're not going to take the precepts this year, you can come to those classes just to get more information about it. So thank you.